Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order and retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. I'm Dr. Leon Klempner, a retired board-certified orthodontist, currently teaching part-time at Harvard. I co-founded People in Practice about 11 years ago with my partner daughter, Amy Epstein. Amy is off today, so I'm handling it by myself. People in Practice do everything to help orthodontists grow in this rapidly changing digital world. But today, I'm thrilled to have back on our podcast arguably the most respected authority on the business side of orthodontist, the GOAT, and I do say that with uh, all due respect, my friend, Chris Benson. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Leon. Happy New <laughs> Year. And sorry, Amy's not with us, but uh, you're, you're flying solo. They let the two old guys take the reins to start this off this year. So let's uh, let's see where we go. But great to be with you. Yeah, that, that could be trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and Amy does send her, her best, and she's sorry she couldn't be here uh, with us. Uh, for those of you that have maybe been living under a rock, let me tell you a little bit about Chris. Chris is a partner at Benson Koppel & Associates. Uh, they do practice valuations, recruiting services, negotiating transactions, whether you're a buyer or a seller. Chris also serves as editor-in-chief of the Benson Koppel resource, which I understand now is digital. And uh, is it, hey, it's qlark.com. How do you pronounce that? Do they say qlark? Clark. Or, it's actually, or? that doesn't have a U in it. It's just K-L-A-R-K. It's Sean uh, Carlson's uh, educational platform. So just uh, Google Clark and you'll find it. Okay, there you go. Um, and Chris also, uh, you know, helps out a lot with the AAO. He's a, a member of the Future Think Tank, the advisory board, lectures all the time at the AAO, written dozens of articles, and most importantly, an all-around good guy. So let's get right down to business. Um, it's 2022. Uh, they say that if you want to find out what's going on in the business market of any industry, all you have to do is follow the money. So tell me, Chris, where is the investment venture capital money flowing in the orthodontic market? It's uh, thanks for asking. It's it's the place that I look to to kind of try to determine what the future might look like, so I can share it with uh, the orthodontists that are figuring out their business models or strategies and so forth. So, you know, if I look over the last, I don't know, uh, 24 months, where, where has the money flowed? You know, you kind of look and you start with a line. It's got a market cap, depending on when you catch uh, the stock uh, at around $55 billion. Uh, sometimes it's below that, sometimes it's above, but it's just they're the biggest ones in ortho and they're only 26 years old. So, you know, just a, a great strength there. Then you, you just kind of rattle down through some really quality companies, you know, Strawman Group that uh, provides a lot of services in dental and ortho. 
uh, owns ClearCorrect. They bought a company called DR Smile uh, a year ago. Uh, that's like a, a direct-to-consumer company. You look at Ormco, which was a kind of a bastion of markets uh, or brackets for really years. It was the who's who, the polo club, the, the cool kids. Um, they're really putting all their investment dollars into um, their aligner right now um, called Spark and, you know, Insignia, which was an incredibly awesome idea, is really kind of shelved uh, right now. The Damon bracket still exists, but um, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of more of R&D dollars chasing that. You look at Rocky Mountain last year, they were bought by uh, Ortho America Holdings. Uh, it's really, they had two dozen or, or so reps uh, uh, in the United States. Now they have single digits. They're taking that product and its uh, whole suite of the, of the Rocky Mountain products down to South America. Uh, so that was that play. You look at Dent Supply Serona, they got totally out of the bracket business, made some pretty brash statements and said the future is aligners, period. Um, and then they spent a billion dollars in cash and bought a company called Byte, another direct-to-consumer company. You look at Lightforce, they raised $50 million. This is a mass digitized, customized, uh, customized you know, bracket and direct bonded uh, that's the future of bra the bracket world you look at embrace on the west coast john fam and his group raised another 102 million last year in series d financing uh, on top of 70 million uh, that they had before um, so that's going to make a splash in orthodontics over time uh, you just got to believe uh, dental monitoring french company uh, just raised very quickly 150 million dollars and has a valuation of a billion dollars uh, for virtual monitoring and other digital play. You got ULab that just raised $54.5 in Series E financing, a, a digital play. You got KLO Embraces with a uh, product called Stride that's a, a lighter version of Lightforce, I guess you'd say. And they're going to be chasing some money. So all this tells me uh, that, uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of R&D dollars spent by the big bracket companies on brackets anymore. It's all going into aligners. It's going into digital workflow. Um, it's going into digital printing. And the future of orthodontics is going to be digital. Uh, that means a lot of things, mostly lab fees. So we got to reorganize our P&L. And it means changes in digital workflow uh, which means we have to deploy people differently in order to have high quality of life. So long answer, Leon, but uh, a lot of money flowing into digital. That's the future. It's going to take nine years more to get more serious about that. But that's where I'd be headed strategically with my practice right now is is understanding and getting into the digital space deep. Because if you wait five more years, it's going to be a steep hill to climb. Yeah, you know, it's it's the exact same message that I heard from Joe Hogan. He was our guest on the last podcast. And, you know, I mean, hearing it from Joe Hogan, I take it with a grain of salt, uh, obviously has vested interest in that. But hearing yeah. it from you and, and that list that you rattled off, I think the message is, is very clear. And, you know, at, at Harvard, where we, uh, you know, teach the residents, we're really spending a lot of time on the digital workflow and, and, and aligners. And um, I know from a marketing standpoint, we, that's the space that people in practice are in. And we, you know, we, we feel that it's critical in terms of new patient acquisition at the same time. Uh, so is there, there, there's just seems to be a lot going on and, and those orthodontists that are riding the past 
I think are, are in jeopardy of not catching up in time if they don't uh, begin to move forward, at least uh, in this realm. Uh, agree, did you yeah, did, yeah did, did you know that you know just statistically um, a, a new patient that contacts an orthodontic website that there is only a three percent chance that that new patient is actually going to convert to an in-house consultation it's that low um, uh, and that's well, just because that. yeah I mean that's just because you know websites are, are most orthodontic websites are they look like uh, calling cards with you know name and address and there's no um, opportunity to digitally interact and these are all areas that, uh, that that we're on the forefront of people in practice but I can see how um, you know uh, it, it's critical as we move forward um, let me ask you this question uh, since we're talking about uh, the industry um, I can't help but see the Smile Direct Club $2.14 a share, I think it was last time I looked, I don't know. Um, it seems to me that, um, you know, they're on their last legs or, or maybe there's something I don't know about. Um, what do you think is going on there? Are they, uh, and what is their strategy in terms of surviving? You know, this is a company we've all taken notice of over the last, uh, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and they made a big splash and, they, and, you know, their stock has never done super well um, after they went public. But, um, you know, if you listen to their quarterly calls and, and the last one uh, was the third quarter call, they badly missed uh, analyst estimates for revenue, for profit, um, you know, for growth and, and so forth. And, and they took a big hit. So it's now in the realm of what's called a penny stock. Um, and, uh, you know, they have $700 million in debt. Uh, their acquisition costs to get a patient are extremely high. Um, and so what is their strategy? They're on the ropes um, and they're burning a lot of cash. But what they, what they told the market in their third quarter call was, we have focused on direct to consumer marketing for families that earn $65,000 plus or minus that that target area. And that is the patient that has been showing up and getting scans in our shops. Now, they said what we're going to do and what they're very, very good at and their marketing is exceptional. If you watched any of the uh, college bowl games, you, you, you see them, it seems like every other commercial is a small direct commercial. So if they're still burning a lot of cash, on commercials, but they're smart about where they're targeting. And so they said they're gonna go up market and they're going to target uh, what they feel like is that Invisalign patient that is showing up in an orthodontic office to try to juice their business. And they think that that is um, the $120,000 and up income family. So, you know, the message to orthodontists is now is the time to really, uh, you know, have your eyes wider open with regards to patients that are coming in that might be comparison shopping between you and, um, you know, Small Direct Club because they are targeting the patients that are coming to your office and they're pretty good at marketing. Um, also messaging them, uh, using people in practice and other marketing companies to help define that minor tooth movement case um, message that, hey, yes, you're welcome in my practice. 
Um, and I think the other thing that the small direct club said they were going to do was pay dentists to do scans and um, just up their acquisition costs for patients. So are they on the ropes? What's going to happen to them? You know, they've been in some other businesses, but this one's a little bit different. I think, um, you know, maybe they get bought by somebody. Um, you know, I don't see a Hail Mary working for them. Uh, COVID wasn't good to them. It was good to the orthodontic space. So, you know, it's time for orthodontists to be a little bit competitive. Grab those patients. Don't let them migrate and drift to an SDC model. You want those people in your practice. They want to see a specialist. Uh, up your game on that and uh, be aware that they're they're targeting the patient that's coming to your office right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to see them on the rocks if you're an uh, orthodox specialist purist like I am. And so I think we have a good opportunity to kind of uh, keep them on the canvas, so to speak. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I love to see them on the rocks and, and um, <laughs> that for sure. But, you know, on, on the other hand, I love the fact that they've created a market for us and they've created an appetite Absolutely. for us. And, that, and that's the thing. You know, we, 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 we talk to our clients all the time about this opportunity to grab the, this desire to get your teeth straight. But you can't they won't do it at six or seven thousand dollars and two or three years in braces. That you know, we have to figure out a way to allow a a uh, more of a tiered uh, opportunity for some limited treatment um, with aligners um, that could be done safely. And frankly, the orthodontist is the one that can do that. But there, you know, I have to be honest with you, Chris, and you you might see you might have experienced the same thing. I get a lot of pushback. I get a lot of pushback from my colleagues about. Now, you know, we, we have to stand firm and, and, you know, if we can, you know, the braces are, are the way I've been doing it before. I'm not going to, you know, compromise myself and, and, you know, those types of things. And, and I don't see it as a compromise. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, see it as an opportunity to provide some quality care to people that are looking for, um, you know, straighter teeth. So... So frustrating. Uh, you and I are on the same page. We've been preaching to each other for, for quite some time. You know, the people that get it, I think are going to grow and excel. And the people that resist, um, they'll do well for a while, but not as well as they could do. And so I think that's mm -hmm. lost opportunity is how I see it. Ortho is great. Um, you have a lot of choices these days about how you want to practice and who you want to talk to. But you better be good at all of them. Um, and you have to be a better businessman and woman today to, to run a practice. And if you want to capture these minor tooth movement cases at, you know, three or four thousand dollars in four or five appointments, they're profitable. There's ways to do it. And um, we're seeing example after example. So keep your ear to the ground, learn from somebody that you, uh, or your colleagues and, and you'll learn. And I know you guys have trained your clients to do that and, and they're growing. So, you know, you got to have a Sherpa. Somebody's got to show you and take your hand and show you how to do this. You guys are a great choice for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and 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 it's true. Those practices of ours are growing that that are in this space, and we've created you know whole campaigns around it to uh, to attract um, you know those uh, patients that ordinarily might be uh, you know swayed over to Smile Direct without any supervision. So you know certainly uh, you know the opportunity is there, and you know the the studies that we've done on our current clients is showing a higher profitability per visit on the limited treatment cases than on the comprehensive cases. So, 
there's a there's a lot of opportunity. Um, let me let me uh, pause for a second because um, one of the features of the website that we've gotten away with uh, gotten away from in the last couple of uh, podcasts I want to bring back uh, is uh, call in questions from some of our listeners. So we have cool. one on the line right now. So if you don't mind, Chris, uh, let's listen to it and then you could address it. Great. Hi, Chris. This is Blake Davis from Kirkland, Washington. Thank you for taking my question. After speaking with a number of friends and colleagues the last few weeks, it seems that many of us rode the growth wave in 2021. Do you see continued growth for orthodontic practices in 2022? Additionally, how can virtual platforms like remote monitoring and consults improve our profitability and increase our capacity for growth? Thank you very much. I appreciate your response. Well, thank you, Dr. Davis. Uh, it's really what I speak on is, you know, what have we done and what do I anticipate that we will do and, and try to give you some direction so you can make some strategic decisions. But, you know, if you listen to us at all, you know that in, uh, in COVID, uh, when you were shut down, depending on where you lived in 2020, six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, um, we were only down five to 7% in production collections and starts. And I was just an amazing comeback because many of us had zero uh, starts in production um, in, you know, uh, April of, of 2020. So we were down, but, but, but not much. And we were coming off 2019, which was the best year in, uh, you know, two decades uh, of orthodontic performance. So how did we do last year? You know, one of the nice things is, you know, if you have Gage or, OrthoFi or some of these other companies, we have real data. So on January 1st, I kind of got the December 31st numbers for the Gage uh, client base. And we ended up uh, as a group of at least, you know, Gage clients up 24.77% in production in 2021 compared to 2020, the COVID year, and up 21% in, in collections. So over and over what you heard from the uh, the virtual meetings, the podiums um, for me was double digit growth. So if you didn't grow that much, um, something's wrong. And um, but I have felt over the last specifically four months of the year last year that things were slowing down. And so I broke down the data for 2021. And when you really look at it, yeah, we had 25% growth in production, but 56% you know, growth in the first six months and then 1.65% growth in the last six months. If you look at collections, we grew by 21% for the year. We grew by 52% uh, or starts rather, 52% uh, in the first six months and negative 1.1% uh, in the last six months. So the pace of growth has slowed down incrementally um, a lot in the last six months. Um, compared to the bounce back last six months of COVID. And uh, that means we're running basically flat um, and we've got inflation. And so, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Um, looking at 2022, I think we're going to have back to maybe some three or 4% growth, which is a point or two higher than we had for a decade before 2019. And so, yeah, it's going to slow down, but it's still going to be the second base, best growth year we've had in, in two decades. But you need to not expect this double-digit growth in most cases unless you've got somebody uh, that's really trying to help your marketing and trying to do these minor tooth movement cases because that's where the growth has been with regards to patients. We have fewer kids. We're going to have to go to, uh, after these minor tooth movement cases. 
and we need to raise our fees 4% because of inflation. So that's my short story on that uh, to, to Dr. Davis. And then as far as remote monitoring and everything, that's the future. You've got to retool your team. When you say, you know, and talk to doctors, where's the pain in this digital environment? It's in, I got to spend all my time behind a computer. And so we've got to, we've got to deploy our team members so that they can help us um, spend less time behind the computer. And that means more virtual appointments. Uh, so we have more time in the office to do these things. Um, and that means also training assistance for whatever system we use for aligners or mass digital customized braces to get those cases set up so that we just are kind of checking it off and tweaking versus doing the entire job uh, all on the doctor's time. So yeah, I mean, great questions, Dr. Davis, thanks. And um, slower growth, but still great growth. And yeah, you gotta retool your team and, and deploy them virtually in a better and smarter way in order to be efficient and not spend as much time behind the screen. Yeah, you know, Chris, that it, it circles back into you know the whole digital workspace and and dental monitoring. You know, we feel that dental monitoring is really the future of enabling practices to do that. When we look at our um, limited treatment cases, uh, our clients that are doing the limited treatment options, uh, we're seeing high profitability because of few visits. And, and, and less chair time. So, you know, you could do a six month case and see the patient initially, use a remote monitoring and perhaps see them once in between or maybe not. And then they're back for, uh, you know, removing the attachments and delivering the retainer. And, you know, the profitability on that can be as high as 800 or $1,000 a visit uh, with a uh, lower overhead for aligner cases. And it doesn't mean you have to do them yourself. There are, there are plenty of options other than uh, the, you know, the, the big ones like Align where you could lower your overhead. And practices that are doing that um, are, are able to leverage that. So you know, the delegation, you know, this is similar to what we've seen in medicine 10 or 15 years ago. Um, I think the same is uh, taking place in dentistry now. And there's a lot that can easily be delegated with remote monitoring. Somebody looking at the dashboard uh, can be trained to identify the goes and no goes, uh, to call you over when needed so that you could determine whether we need to see the patient in the office or not, things like that. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's a consistent message. Uh, and what I'm hearing from, from, from you and other consultants and our own experiences that I don't think that we could ignore. Well, I, I think so. I mean, you, you really introduced me, Leon, to dental monitoring. You, you said, hey, you need to take a look at this product, this company, what, what it does. And, and I have, and, and just, just my personal experience is, you know, I haven't been happy with my smile. I had braces as a teenager. I'm 60 years old, my teeth have moved. I just got scanned by David Sarver in Birmingham. I live in Greensboro. We're going to do Invisalign. I'm going to have dental monitoring monitor the case. Um, you know, this is going to be, uh, for me, a bit of a case study for how to speak about, you know, this digital movement personally from the podium, because I think we're going to be able to manage my case with two or three visits where I get some nice dinners with David um, and that's it. And, uh, you know, fortunately I, I can do that, but, um, you know, can you do that with people in town? Heck yeah. And, and uh, we're seeing this over and over. So, 
I, I, I totally agree. And this, this whole idea of your staff and medicine and the parallels, uh, you know, the, the term I'm using to, for orthodontists is turn some of your staff into PAs uh, like we have in medicine, because every, every practice I work with says, this person right here has been with me for 20 years. They think like I do. They could be an orthodontist. If they're just amazing, you know, uh, and so forth. That's a skill set that can be turned into a PA that can be a virtual assistant for you and really save you tons of time. That's where we're headed. That's where orthodontics is going. I see it very clearly. Um, a lot of people don't want to be there because they don't have to be there because they're so busy right now. But we're going to go back to a tighter market and in order to get some of this incredible fun growth that you've experienced um, in 2021, you have to do some things differently. And, you know, I think uh, first guy over the hill, you know, takes a lot of arrows in the chest. You don't have to be the first guy of the hill anymore. There's a lot of evidence that says, hey, this works. You're not going to get, you know, burned or cut or bleed a lot. Um, you got to learn some things. But you got to be willing to change. And I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, for for those residents coming out or young practitioners that are, you know, getting their start with uh, some of the OSOs or DSOs and then go out on your own, we see a number of those occurring five, six years out, uh, opening their own practice because they want to captain their own ship, understandably, just as I did. Uh, you know, it's time to rethink the the footprint of your office? Do you need that many chairs? Do you need that much space? Um, I've often threatened, uh, you know, uh, our people in practice team that, hey, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm in New York City, I'm just gonna rent, you know, a, 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 an operatory from a dentist and <clears throat> use some remote monitoring <clears throat> and I think I could kill it. You know, I, yeah. if I have one really good Give me a really good um, assistant that I could train or a hygienist or somebody that, that could help me. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody to answer the phone or maybe not. Maybe, you know, maybe some service to answer the phone. I mean, that's it. I, I mean, I think I could do really, really well without, you know, the $4,000, 4,000 square foot or 6,000 square foot, eight operatories and, you know, the whole bit. I, you know, I, again, I think uh, I would agree with that. I've been saying that we need smaller footprints in the future. Uh, certainly, um, you can do a lot at a 2,400 square feet with four chairs as long as you've got radiography and, um, you know, a, a great uh, web hookup. So, you know, I think that's where we're headed is, is just being more efficient with our space, with our people. And, um, you know, when you're paying whatever your lab fee is, but we're going to move to right now, depending on how you really look at the data, it, at least one in four or one in five case starts in America has a lab fee associated with them. By 2030, that's going to be over half. By 2040, it's going to be 75%. Do brackets ever totally disappear? Probably not. But but if 75% of the, of the country's starts are going to be with lab fees, you know, that's a fundamental change in your P&L. And so you're going to have to do more efficient things with your people, like we're talking about now, more efficient things with smaller footprints and, and so forth. And that is the future of the practice. It'll take us a couple of decades to fully get there, but, you know, you can experience it now and it's pretty cool. Absolutely. So uh, just to uh, switch gears just a little bit, um, a lot of what we do with people in practice is um, we have a lot of 
older, experienced practitioners come to us that have kind of taken the eye, uh, their eyes off the digital space and the changes that have occurred in the profession, and but are looking to sell and um, want to um, take advantage of what appears to be a very white hot OSL market right now. And so they come to people in practice to get the numbers up and, and you know, refresh the website or create a new website, do some marketing so that, you know, there's an appeal for purchase. And we've successfully been able to do that with quite a number uh, of our clients. But um, it seems like, uh, you know, OSOs are like the big thing right now. So is that the way it's going to go? Is it, are we going to be just one big OSO? I don't, I don't think that's a fair representation, one big OSO, but yeah, it's going to go that way. I think um, what I'm experiencing right now is a lot of this uh, FOMO attitude with orthodontists, this fear of missing out. I, I hear stories, uh, maybe they're locker room stories, maybe they're true, maybe they're false, but I'm hearing these giant numbers uh, for practices and, you know, maybe I should jump on this ship or at least investigate and, and so forth. So is it white hot? I use that term because I think it's true. Yeah, everybody in the OSO space, and I distinguish OSOs from DSOs um, because I still, in, I love the specialty of orthodontics. And so I just like the, the corporate groups that are focused on just orthodontics, uh, maybe the, naively so down the road. But right now there's a dozen or so really good private equity backed OSOs that all had record years last year. I mean, you look at Smile Doctors just recapped in December and got a two and a half billion dollar, uh, you know, valuation. You know, two and a half billion. I mean, there's not very many companies like that um, that are that are that size. But they only have 180 doctors, 240 locations, something like that. There's 9,000 orthodontists. Mm -hmm. So when you really think about how white hot is it and how big does it get, it's only six or seven percent of the orthodontic market right now. Um, you need to have some uh, amount of scale, as you kind of suggested, get me up to a size where, you know, I might be interesting to somebody pretty enough to date, uh, kind of for one of the OSOs, if you will. And that's 2 million or up, typically. Uh, if you're smaller than that, it's kind of hard to get their attention. But they, they, there's some that will do those smaller deals, but they're looking for scale. Two, three, four million is, is great. Those are getting a lot of attention right now, but there's not that many of those. So where does it go after? Um, do they start doing de novos? Do they start consolidating? That's my sense of well, uh, what will happen over the next 20 years is, yeah, it'll be white hot. If you've got a big practice, uh, you probably, the analysis we do in most cases makes sense to sell to a DSO if you get a turn or two on the private equity. Um, but it's not gonna take over the specialty. We still have solo practices or small group practices. so. The others are working with general dentists or pediatric dentists or so forth. So corporate doesn't take over, but it gets bigger. Um, how big does it get? They'll tell you 50% or more. I'll tell you 30 to 50%. That's a big range, but it's going to take several decades to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, there, there's a, a sweet spot in terms of when you want to consider this. And one of the things that I'm seeing is that, there, you know, there are practitioners that are, let's say, in their early 50s or so that still want to go a ways and but are feeling like they want to capitalize on cashing in um, at this point. And, you know, my understanding is that 
um, keeping your own practice uh, over a period of time generally uh, outperforms making the sale too early. So there, there is some algorithm or some, some formula to take a look at, aside from the issue of working for somebody else and the psychosocial aspects of that, there is an economic yeah. uh, sweet spot as well. Do you, do you find that? Yeah, we've done hundreds of analyses of these, um, you know, because it is an, an interesting topic right now. People find us and say, can you compare doing nothing and bringing in an associate or a partner versus, you know, selling for, you know, some, some number that's reasonable. And we generally find that if you have 10 years or less, uh, the money can probably work out better depending on the group and kind of where they are in their life cycle with a corporate group. But if you have 10 years or more, it's extremely challenging. Uh, so then it becomes a lifestyle situation where you have to weigh what are the pluses of me not having to worry about um, figuring out how to make the phone ring, doing HR, buying equipment, bringing other doctors in, and just coming in and doing my craft and diagnosing and treating uh, for a fee. Um, some people find that, especially this generation, extremely satisfying. But to your point a little bit earlier, Leon, you know, what we're finding is, Orthodontic residents, when they get out, don't want to own a practice. I don't exactly know why that is, but some of it's generational, some of it's school debt related, some of it you can make a lot more money working for a corporation today right out of school than not. So uh, multifaceted, but um, the pain for the DSOs and the OSOs is doctor retention, because as you suggested, at three, four, five, six years out, they want to be you. Uh, they want to call their shots. They want to decide what color to paint the door. They want to they want to try to run their small business as an orthodontist. Yeah. And those are the people buying the practices that we're valuing primarily. And so it maybe it just is a different dynamic where this is a place where you start your career. Um, you pay off some school debt. You learn your craft. You get faster. Uh, you get a little bit more financially stable. And then you bounce to starting up or doing uh, or buying a practice. And we're seeing a lot of that as well. I tell you, Chris, I could spend the whole day talking with you about this type of stuff because I learned so much and I really want to thank you for being so gracious with your time. Every time I, I ask Chris to come on, he comes on. He has a you know dedication for the orthodontic specialists as we do. So I really appreciate it. So once again, you've given our listeners great content, useful information. But if any of the orthos out there want more information about the services that you do, would like to contact you, what would be the best way to reach you, Chris? Yeah, you know, like you said, we've gone kind of digital with everything we can. So just look up Benson Copeland Associates on your um, browser and you'll find us. Uh, you, can, you can just click and send us an email or you can get their phone number and call um, and do that. But um, if you'll allow me the extravagance, um, we are putting on a, AO is putting on a midwinter uh, meeting in January in Orlando. And it's on a lot of the topics that we touched on today, Leon. It's gonna be, you know, really two, two days, uh, two and a half days of great discussion from people that work in all different practice modalities at all different stages of their career from new and younger to mid-career to, older and then we're starting we're booking it with the numbers so there'll be the gauge folks there and there'll be brad uh Cuchero and um and uh kane waters there to kind of talk about financial outcomes so if you're interested in some of the stuff we're talking about and how people are doing it 
um, you know, there's room to get down to that meeting um, or sign up virtually. You can watch it virtually. So, you know, I think it's going to be really fantastic information. All right. I'm, I'm sure that uh, that will stir some interest. Anytime there's an opportunity to hear you speak, I think that there's a, a lot of interest out there. Uh, again, thank you on behalf of Amy and I, uh, entire People in Practice team, as well as all the listeners. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Leon. You guys have a great 2022, and I look forward to listening to the guest on your podcast uh, every couple of weeks. So appreciate it. Okay, great. So you could listen to our podcasts, um, which are now webcasts, on either Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, you name it, you, we're there. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you could share our uh, information uh, about the, about the web, webinar, webcasts and podcasts with colleagues. For more information about people in practice, you could sign up for a free marketing newsletter. Uh, just go to pplpractice.com, our website. Thank you for watching and listening. Uh, if you'd like to contact me directly, um, you could shoot me an email at leon at pplpractice.com. And remember, for forward-thinking orthodontists, it's never been a better time to be an orthodontist. We are in the golden age, so take advantage of it. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com.